Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Them Damn Indians. With me today is one of the best damn Indians around, Kendra Wilson Clements. How are you, Kendra? I'm so good. I'm so good. Thank you for, for having me on. I've missed, I've missed communing with you. I know it's, 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 it's been a wild time, but you've got a lot of really exciting things going on. Uh, we, the people consulting, I want to talk to you about that a little bit later in this segment, but, uh, first it's pride week, it's ally Wednesday. So, uh, I wanted to talk to one of the greatest allies and advocates out there that I know. And, uh, of course you were, you were one of the first people that popped up in my head. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. And to talk about this, let's talk about the parade, though. I want to this is going to be my first year at, at Pride. Uh, one of my one of my cousins is is has has graciously told me that he will introduce me to all of the Pride. I don't know what the festivities are, but I don't I'm in. <laughs> they sound amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for you to be there, and I'm I'm happy that this is your first pride. You know, we're we're never too old or too whatever to to step into that. I say that because my grandmother uh, this last weekend was asking me about it, and she was like, "Oh, honey, I'm too old. I've never, you know, never been to one." I said, "No, you're not. You, you're never too old to to do something for the first time." So uh, I'm happy. I'm just glad to see you. I can't wait to see you and spend time with you on Saturday at this parade. Yes, indeed. So, so let's talk about leading the parade because that, that is a huge honor. It's a huge thing. And I, I love that this celebration, I love that you get to, you get to march in there first. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, and I have to say, um, of course, uh, you know, it's, it's a paying respect to and honoring, um, you know, indigenous peoples. This is our land. Um, you know, we were here first. Um, and what better way than to um, have the 2S LGBTQ plus community, uh, indigenous community, all of our relatives and allies walk with us in that first position. Um, it's an honoring um, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for Oklahoma City Pride Alliance for reaching out to me and just saying, hey, um, you did that land back acknowledgement to kick off Pride Month um, and all the festivities. Would you also, uh, you know, allow us to host you as, as number one position to kick that parade off? And I said, absolutely. I know a few hundred Indians that, that would like to, to join me too. So um, we're excited. Yes, indeed. That's and it's amazing because and it's like we were talking about before the segment, you know, we we as natives, as uh, as allies, as two spirited family members, as as all of these different things that we are in our native communities, we intersect on so many different levels. And and I'm I'm thrilled that we are finally allowing our two spirited family members to to be themselves or or to or to find out whoever they are, even yeah. if that's not even if that's not the gender they were you know they were born with and and they they choose a different way and and I'm I'm thrilled that we're we're opening our arms up in our communities to accept that. 
and it's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, um, a lot of conversations that I'm involved with, with, you know, Native people, non-Native people alike, um, surrounding the theory or the concept, and I, I'm doing this because these are the words that I hear, tell me about the theory of two-spirited people, or tell me about the concept or the philosophy of two-spirited people, and, you know, I take it to pre-contact, um, because it's a whole lot different now, um, you know, uh, once upon a time, uh, ago, uh, two-spirited people in many, many, many of our uh, tribes, our nations, our communities were held in, in very high regard, um, were, were uh, recognized as seers, uh, we named babies, um, we, we were matchmakers, um, we, we were spiritual guides and medicine keepers, um, and it was, you know, the recognition of two-spirited people uh, and, and the, the fact that we can walk into worlds, that masculine and that feminine uh, energy in those worlds um, just kind of set uh, two-spirited people um, apart, if you will. Um, and then here comes, you know, contact and, um, you know, our settler friends and, you know, Christianity. Um, and, and, and sadly enough, as I've been digging more and more into uh, the history of two-spirited people and the communities uh, upon contact, um, you know, we were the first targeted. Uh, we were the first to be removed, to be um, killed, murdered, um, tortured. There's just a lot of, you know, the stories out there. And so uh, because we were different, right, and it just didn't fit that colonial mold, didn't fit that Christian mold. Um, it was confusing. Um, and, and fear, what fear does, um, is never good. And so, so really, um, the great thing about this awesome momentum and energy that I'm just feeling across the, the country and um, our friends up north um, in Canada is just this rematriation of, of who we have always been. Uh, but somewhere along the way, we're told it wasn't right. And so we're just out there teaching and talking and, and hosting sessions like this uh, to be able to go back out. Um, because I know that my grandfather, uh, who was a survival of residential boarding school, um, would not have understood, would not have remembered because uh, he was washed. It was washed uh, to not remember and to not be okay with that. And so it feels, and my grandfather is no longer living. Um, and so it just feels like every time I get to tell this story to particularly members of our own community, our own relatives, um, it's a connection back to our past. It's a reclamation. Uh, it just feels really good. So we've been busy this month, just talking about all those stories, you know, it's been cool. Yes, yes, and there there are a lot of them, and and I want to I want to explore that more because on on that on that historical side, um, because our 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 two spirited leaders were that's what they were we consulted them. Yes, that's that was part of that structure is to take that out and to 
to uh, villainize them as kind of leading them into this well that leadership is is now why you're here kind of thing you know but but I want to talk about that as as them being first to our our first gen MMIP if you will because that it's still going on today and I don't know if people really understand that our LGBTQ plus community is has such large numbers in that missing and murdered population. Yes, yes, and and interestingly enough, I I do a lot of MMIWP work as well. Uh, that footwork, that groundwork. Um, I love being on the ground. Um, I love uh, touching the community and turning over rocks and looking doorways. And that's that's the work I love to do just close to it. And so, um, you know, what I've learned in the past 18 months or so of doing this work, this groundwork, this search work for uh, our boys and women and our trans relatives and our two-spirited relatives Um, I'm seeing more and more so closely um, the number of two-spirit LGBTQ plus relatives that are going missing at just ungodly uh, rates. Like we can't even keep up um, with the numbers. Um, You know, it it, it is the MMIW um, class and and, and group, um, but it's also our rates of violence against us. Um, sexual violence, um, bullying, um, all kinds of, you know, everything that kind of falls under that big broad term of violence. Um, it happens very frequently to, to our communities uh, in that 2S LGBTQ um, family. That, okay, so that's an interesting point, and it, it just really kind of brought to mind, okay, the, and, I, and I'm and i going to do what I call get, getting off the freeway for a second, yeah. take, taking the off ramp, and making the, le- making the left turn at Albuquerque, so to speak, yes. so um, on that note, I don't know that people really understand the um, domestic violence rate among uh same-sex couples or you know uh, and 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 within the lgbtq plus communities i don't think that people really understand and and i mean we we think about that in terms of adoption or marriage or different things like that but what we don't think about are services for domestic violence for mental health and and how those can be denied because of those those um those care organizations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, we're in the great state of Oklahoma uh, and, and, and uh, that's an uphill battle um, and, and just, you know, kind of doing the, the work that I do. Um, it's been, uh, it's painful uh, at times to try and find services for, uh, 2S LGBTQ plus relatives uh, who are facing a number of, of, of issues, you know, violence, um, housing, um, hungry, uh, you name it, um, you know, drug and alcohol treatment, mental health, behavioral health treatment, like it's just a, uh, especially those who um, 
you know, uh, are two-spirited or trans, that makes it even harder. Uh, it's like the door gets shut even, even harder um, when, 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 you know, we're presenting trans and or two-spirited people and, and asking for services. Because uh, it's like, well, we just have a boys and a girls, you know, residential place. We, we can't possibly take on a trans person. Um, and so where would we put them? <laughs> and so it's just a, it's, it's been eye-opening, you know, um, it's just eye-opening uh, to, to see how little, um, how little there is out there to help um, our community, you know, these are human beings. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things that, that really got me with all these bathroom bills. I mean, I was like, uh, <laughs> The first, okay, so when I first heard that, I thought it was a joke. Like, I totally thought, like, was that from The Onion? Right. Like, that's, like, that's, that's total satire, right? Like, that's not even true. That right. can't be true. Can't be. And now it's like, <laughs> they spent so much of our resources, our taxpayer resources on this. And it's like, wait, wait, what? And so... So let, let's let's kind of get back get back on the freeway with 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 those things in mind and and really kind of talk about how uh, we the people consulting how you are pushing these issues into the spotlight and bringing making awareness for 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 your, for your community and and for for natives across Indian country. Sure, I appreciate that question. Um, it's been, uh, again, um, you know, I, I, I tend to find the silver lining in everything. And uh, this pandemic has, has really forced me to dig really, really deeply uh, to find that silver lining. Um, you know, in our, it's no secret, our indigenous communities, um, we have, we have, we've, we've suffered great losses. Um, and, you know, now that the dust is settling more and more, we're starting to pick our heads up and look around and it doesn't look the same as it did before. Um, you know, the elders that we once saw at the tree, at the powwow with the tents and their powwow chairs, they're not there. Um, and so it's hard uh, to, it's just hard. It's difficult right now. And so, you know, in all of the loss and all of the stuff, I, I would say about September, uh, no, a little bit like late August, you know, we're like in that pandemic, right? We are in it deep in, in August, September timeframe. And I received a call from um, a really dear longtime Lakota friend of mine. And uh, she runs um, an organization that I, I, I jokingly refer to her sometimes as you're the president of Indian education. Um, she's just, she's got an incredible uh, position and does such great work and I admire her. Uh, and she said to me, you know, my staff, um, we're falling apart uh, and I don't know how to bring them back. Uh, we've got so much pain, so much suffering um, it's about 90% indigenous staff. Um, she's got, you know, 20 or so working with her for her. It's remote uh, working because nobody's going to offices and it's, it was hard. And she just said, I need your, I need your help. I know that you were, 
working for Bacon College, uh, doing some traditional talking circles for healing uh, to kind of help restore the health and the wellness uh, of the staff so that they could move forward and teach kids and be present and be healthy enough to even be in that virtual classroom. And so I was going up north uh, to Bacon and, and working with their president and working with their staff and working with their deans and, and conducting these really large, powerful talking circles, um, traditional talking circles. And at the time, I didn't even realize it, but that's ceremonial. And, and in, those, in those moments and in those circles, we're sharing and sharing and healing and identifying and connecting and grieving together. And that's what we've always done. We couldn't meet face-to-face -face in, in certain situations, and most of the country was apart, but we could set up these large rooms and have these conversations in a really safe way and heal together in the absence of our dances or sweat lodge or however else it was that we, we come together. We couldn't do that, but we could do something else. And so it occurred to me um, that these were, um, you know, this is healing stuff. And this is under we the people, right? I get called out to do this job. We're a consulting firm um, and we work primarily um, with our tribal nations and our tribal communities, helping tribal leaders, communities, tribal enterprises grow and navigate change. And wow, uh, what a better time to work with our people than through a pandemic where nothing is as it ever has been or ever will be again. Um, and what do we do? Well, we come together because that's what we do as Indian people. And so um, get this call from my dear, dear friend. And she says, will you come? I heard about the, these sessions. Will you come and, and do a virtual talking circle for my people, my staff? And I said, absolutely. And so that happened. And then, and then another one and another one and another one. And I mean, we, we, I've just been doing these you know, talking circles, these traditional talking circles. Um, and now it has shifted to, oh no, now we're supposed to go back to work. The world is reopening. Hey, we the people, how do we do that? How do we step back into our job? We've been isolated for a year. There's going to be people around me. That freaks me out. Um, I have anxiety. I have a tremendous amount of loss. Um, I have not yet grieved. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I don't have the brain power to punch a clock and work for eight hours a day. And so that a lot of the work that we're doing is um, it's creator led, you know, it's creator saying, hey, when you were working at Sovereign Community School as a traditional health and wellness teacher for young ones, that stuff that you taught them, pass that on to, to people of your own age. Pass it on to, to these adults because we weren't getting that stuff in school. I didn't get that <laughs> stuff in school. No. And, and it feels good to, to be able to connect in that, in that way. And so that's what, you know, that's the business right now. Um, it's really health, wellness, and resiliency planning 
and transitioning back into the workforce focused. I mean, that's a lot of the stuff that we're doing. And for me, um, it's the dreamiest job ever is to be able to help our people um, heal, um, to be a facilitator of grief and hurt and fear and pain and move that stuff out of the room and out of the spirits so that we can be lifted again, so that we can put our feet on some solid ground and walk together. I mean, it's just, I, I couldn't in a million years, could I have ever believed or known that I would be in a great place like this, to be able to do this work is amazing. So long answer. Um, Yeah, that is, that is amazing. And I'm so proud of you. I am so, so proud when Native women strike out on their own and, and get it done because it's daunting. I mean, when you think about how many, how many white men don't get into business because they're afraid and then you extrapolate that to Native women. Yeah, it's hilarious because it's like, wait a minute, you have right. all the doors open for you. Every door is open and come right in, sir. May yeah. I take your coat? native women it's like they don't even see you as they're slamming the door right. in your face right so 100 yeah and and let's so let's let's talk a little bit more about some of the uh policy issues that that you that you're promoting for uh you said two s lgbtq plus let's let's talk about that especially in pride month um, because now is the time to talk about it. Now is the time that we have open ears to these conversations. So, so in that, in that world of time and cost and factor, isn't an issue. What kinds of things are you going to work to implement to improve the quality of life for your community? Sure. You know, um, it, it's one, well, it's two words really, um, in terms of policy, it's equity, right? Um, you know, two SLGBTQ plus relatives, we don't want anything special above or beyond, um, you know, what everyone else may have. We just want that. We want that equity. We want that equality. Um, and oh, also we want justice. Um, and so equity and justice are the two uh, those are the, and then everything that kind of falls from that, um, which is like pick a topic, you know, um, it's equity and justice, equity and justice for trans uh, relatives, for 2S relatives, for LGBTQ relatives, um, it's equity and justice. Um, and that is in employment practices, that is in leaves, that is in access, access, access. Um, it's equity and justice um, in seeking access uh, in an equal way, uh, in a balanced way uh, for our communities. Let me ask you this, because I don't know that we ask this question enough, is that when we talk about that, and <laughs> I'm going to say this and as a native, as a survivor, as all of these things, I I. I hear myself saying this and 20 year old me is shocked. Okay. But with that access to services, that also means law enforcement. 
that also means access to intervention. But in that same in that same strain, if we're having those issues with the police, isn't it better to provide the mental health care and the counseling services and those things that our police officers generally aren't trained to deal with and don't want to? Yeah, I am so happy that you you asked this question because um, I am also uh, myself and, and, and my dear sister, Sarah Adams Cornell, we are a part of uh, the Oklahoma City Police Department Law Enforcement Task Force. Um, mayor, uh, uh, the mayor contacted me back in early August and said, hey, um, putting together a task force for Oklahoma City Police Department. Um, you guys, meaning community, you've been, you know, pounding fists and, and, and raising, you know, all kinds of hay um, about our situation. And we've got a real bad situation here in Oklahoma City as it relates to our law enforcement um, and our rates of our murder rates, right? Um, and, and I'll call it what it is. Um, sure. We are being murdered. Um, we, our Black community, we, our Indigenous community, we, our 2SLGBTQ plus community, we are being murdered um, by our law enforcement, by the people that we hire and pay to protect us. And so, um, you know, a bunch of us, uh, um, social justice workers, um, advocates, activists. Uh, we've been working together for a long time. Um, it, it, we, we've got, you know, members from each community, our Latinx community, our undocumented community, our Black community. Um, we just came together and said, we got to do something. We need to start raising a whole lot of noise um, because this can't keep happening. Um, and so mayor forms a task force um, and we're on it and we meet on a very regular basis and have been meeting on a regular basis to uh, try to change the way in which policing is happening here in Oklahoma City because it is not acceptable. Um, and so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're almost, we're, you know, creeping up on a year um, we've got a consultant um, who was hired, uh, funds were approved by the city, and we are making some um, headway. We're reaching some um, agreements on what you're talking about. Um, our police department is not trained, number one, nor are they the best people for the job as it relates to responding uh, to individuals and folks who have who are in a mental health crisis, um, who are um, substance abuse um, users and are incapable of you know being um, in a safe situation with law enforcement. And so we are working on that now to try and break apart um, this system. And the 200 plus million dollar budget that the Oklahoma City Police Department has, it's like 236 million dollar budget. That is the budget. And so we're saying, can we have some of those dollars so that we can create um, a hotline where individuals 
in our black and brown communities who do not feel safe calling 911 or interacting with the police force for obvious reasons, can we have an alternative number that we can call when one of our relatives is uh, missing, when one of our relatives is under the influence, when one of our relatives is in an emotional state where we know that's not gonna turn out well for them. Can we create, can we have some of that money so that we can create uh, either uh, mental health workers and or specially trained responders to accompany a police officer as they're assisting and making and addressing and responding to calls? Can we have some of that money uh, to sink it into resources in our own communities? Um, because we know how to uh, create law and order uh, amongst ourselves. We know how to do that. Can we have some of that money? Um, and so, so we're trying to bargain and, 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 and reach consensus and agreements and, and sell, sadly, uh, why it is that, that the Oklahoma City Police Department is not effective as is. Um, so, so yes, we're, we're doing that work and we're trying really hard um, to make some change um, because we're dying and we're not cared for once we enter that prison system, which is a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to continue to talk about this. So if you can hang out for a few minutes yeah. and, uh, and, and jump on with our next segment, I, I do want to continue this conversation while it's fresh, because it is important, especially during pride month, especially mm -hmm. during this time, as we're going into celebrating pride in OKC, we need to make sure that this conversation is at the forefront. So folks stay tuned. Uh, don't forget if you've missed any of our conversation, you can catch up with that wherever you get your podcast. We're indigenous, we're independent, and you're listening to them damn Indians at Talk Jive Radio.